I got a question for all of you out there. Do you smoke pot? Have you smoked pot? Have you inhaled it? Do you think that smoking marijuana will kill you? Well, my guest today is Dr. Raymond Wiggins, and we have a discussion about marijuana, THC. Now, I am no doctor. I am no expert on marijuana, THC, cannabinoids, or anything like that. Uh, I just have what I believe and, you know, what I have seen and what I've read and what I've heard from friends. All right, so you know how it goes when you do something. You put it aside for a little bit, then you come back to it, then you either do it over, you listen to it, you watch it, and you're going, wait a second. It's not exactly the way I remembered it when I first did it. Well, that's exactly what happened with this particular podcast, sort of. So I uploaded it, I listened to it, and I decided I need to make a couple changes to this intro. So now I am cutting out some stuff. And if you didn't already hear it, you're not going to hear it. And I am adding this in here right now. So along with what uh, Dr. Wiggins was talking about, or that you're going to hear about marijuana and everything, I have to say that, yeah, you know, there are a lot of valid points that he makes. And I'm going to agree with him on a lot of things but there are things that I disagree with with him as well um, a lot of things are proven and unproven both proven and unproven on the same exact thing and what I'm getting at it is that you know how statistics are you know how studies are you can always find something that's going to uh, lean one way or the other and I think that's what we have found or at least that I have found uh, with this topic on pot you know you're not, you're not going to die from over smoking pot and that's what I've heard from uh, I'll say marijuana experts as well that are in the industry they say no you, you're not going to die from too much THC now you may have some adverse effects you may feel sick and things like that uh, nauseous but it's not going to kill you from the overdose and it really depends on I think the dosage and that's the other thing is what is a uh, a healthy or an overdose type of dosage what amount is it so again this report says that it does not kill you but once again what I think and probably what many people think is that there can be an a indirect or if you want to call it a direct correlation to death if you're high and if you get behind the wheel of a car and if you um, already have some forgive me for saying this mental issues or problems or depression it may heighten that but again that is not caused by the THC so I think we have to understand the uh, the separation between cause and effect what is a direct effect or direct cause and an indirect cause once again I'm no expert I am not a clinician or anything like that this is just from my understanding from talking to people um, and just you know being around people and being around folks who have used this often I do have some friends who are because they addicted so anything like cigarettes and things like that, yeah, I believe that you can become addicted to this. And once again, you know, if we're talking about smoking this stuff, just like cigarettes, you know, you're inhaling a lot of toxins. So that's going to be bad. But enough said with that. So let's go ahead and jump into the podcast here with Dr. Raymond Wiggins. And just to let you know, 
Dr. Wiggins does have a book coming out pretty soon, and it is called Weeding Out the Myths About Marijuana. And this is going to be released in January of 2024. If you want to go to his website, you can certainly do that. And it's very easy. It's just Dr. Dr. So drwiggins.com. That's W-I-G-G-I-N-S. All right. And one last thing. If you are a pet owner, please be a responsible pet owner. And remember, have your pets spayed or neutered. Now, let's get on with it. Let's go. Um, you know, th this is such a heated topic as far as marijuana goes. And what I wanted to ask you, uh, Dr. Wiggins, right off the bat is, are we talking marijuana pot or are we talking CBD, marijuana, THC, the, the whole gambit? Because... There is a difference between the, the CBD, CBD oil, um, and THC. Uh, and I'm going to pronounce certain things wrong, like the cannabis oil. There's a lot of them, but those are the two main ones, the CBD and THC. And THC is the one that really is what will get you high and give you the hallucinations and things like that. Where the CBD, if it's in its purest form, does not do that. Correct? That is correct, and I'm more okay. than happy to talk with you about CBD, Delta-8, um, all, all things cannabis, really. Um, I can, can talk about THC for sure, uh, but if you want to get into CBD, I'm more than happy to discuss that. Yeah, I just wanted clarification on this one because, you know, with what you have, and um, I'll just use the word opposition on uh, marijuana, THC, there's a lot, like you said, there's a lot of studies, but there's a lot of studies that are factual, which means for me to say that, yes, it can cause harm. It can do this. It, it, it's probably not the best thing for you. Whereas with CBD, a lot of studies that are unproven that people claim to be beneficial. So I think it'd probably be best if uh, we mainly stick with the THC, the the fun, yeah, bad I, stuff. <laughs> yeah, I'm more than happy to do that. Yes, if, if you really look at, at what the NIH says, the FDA and um, Mayo Clinic, um, they're going to tell you that all of the things that are supposed to be beneficial regarding CBD, none of that is, to, is scientifically proven. And so... It's it's a big industry. It's it it's five point three billion dollars a year. Five hundred and sixty million of that is for pets, believe it or not. Oh, yeah. Um, it, but uh, yeah, there's there's really no science behind it. It's just a, a money maker uh, for the most part. There there's a couple of things with CBD uh, that there's a possibility that it it may help with anxiety, but. If you really look at statistics, um, those benefits probably go away pretty quickly. And same thing with sleep. You know, it, it may benefit sleep for a couple of months, but, you know, by the third month out, it, there's really no benefit anymore. Yeah, it's since we're on this topic a little bit, I, I think our minds are very powerful. And I think for those, because it's not really proven a lot of these things, but people say it has helped. I, I believe that a lot of it is your mental is your your mental ability to convince you that it is helping. Therefore it does help, but did that really help it? Maybe not. It was your brain that helped resolve that. Yeah. But when it comes to THC, 
we know, like I said, there's a lot of factual stuff on that. Yeah, it, it, it's very much psychosomatic. In other words, when you believe something is helping you, sometimes it can actually help you physically. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of placebo effect when it comes to, to both THC and CBD, no yeah. doubt. Uh, so also a quick question here then is you, your doctor, you didn't perform or you didn't do any clinical studies yourself on this. You did a lot of um, uh clinical observations probably and a a heck of a lot of studying and research yeah i i have done a lot of secondary research but a lot of the things that i've done primary um are uh some anecdotal with with family there's a there's a lot of my family members who have been addicted to to thc and some of them actually aren't with us anymore unfortunately And, and it's a direct result uh, of marijuana um, and then also the the thing that really got me started on this was my uh, a very close relative who um, went off to college uh, got in with a group of guys who were smoking marijuana and he wound up in a psych ward and so I thought how in the world if, if this is such a safe drug how how is this young man in, in a psych ward um, and unable to return to school um, so I started studying it, um, but also if, if you look at the professional side of things, um, I, I've seen anxiety in my patients. Almost every patient who checks the box that says marijuana, the vast majority of those check anxiety. And so there are actually studies, uh, there's a meta-analysis a, 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 that studies many different studies. It looks at a lot of different randomized trials. And it shows a 25% increase in, in anxiety in those who use marijuana. There's a few studies that show the opposite. But when you look at a meta-analysis, that's the very best type of study because it's looking at many different studies and putting all of those statistics together. Um, so I saw that. I also saw that uh, my patients were much more difficult to sedate. The, the IV sedations for the type of sedations that are used in, in my practice the outpatient anesthesias, uh, it takes three times more, not 30% more, three times more anesthesia. And this this comes from the American Society of Anesthesiologists, uh, three times more anesthesia. And, and we were seeing this for several years, for, for the last decade or so, um, the surgeons in my specialty, the anesthesia anesthesiologists in, in my specialty were, were seeing that uh, people were much more difficult to sedate, and we were trying to determine what it was, and it wound up being marijuana. And then the other thing is it takes 60% more uh, post-op uh, narcotics or post-op pain meds in patients who use marijuana. And we think of it, a lot of people think of it as, as decreasing pain. And while you're on it, there is a subjective decrease in pain, not an objective. In other words, it's not statistically decreasing pain but people feel that it's decreasing their pain but when they come down from it they actually need more pain meds to keep their pain down and again that's again another statistic from the american society of anesthesiologists you know several things that you're talking about right there is uh there's been no study shown that has proven that uh marijuana thc has killed anyone but like you're saying, there are a lot of indirect because it causes whether it be a 
temporary psychotic episode, um, even going with the paranoia and things like that, where some people say, hey, it made me relax, I'm sit back, and others will find that it made them more paranoid. Um, so yeah, unless I'll... you found a different study where it, it has directly, uh, you know, had it killed someone from an overdose. Yeah, there, there are many studies that show the increased risk of suicide and suicide mm -hmm. is um is just a, at epidemic proportions especially in young people and uh there are two big studies that that look at suicide in, well there's many but there's two that really have some really significant statistics regarding suicide um and, and in fact there's more i'm i'm going to look at a couple of them here the odds of developing depression as a young adult are 37% higher for those who used marijuana as a teen. So we think of it as something that's causing a short-term effect. It really causes a lot of long-term effects, especially when we're talking about depression and, and suicide attempts. Um, the odds of developing depression as a young person are two times higher, 1.8 times higher uh, for those who use cannabis uh, versus those who don't. And then some really significant statistics. If you start marijuana before the age of 17 and then you use on a daily basis, you have a 6.8 times risk of a suicide attempt. Um, young adults who use marijuana are 50% more likely to think about suicide. This is a different study. They're 50% more likely to think about suicide and three and a half times more likely to attempt suicide. That's and that statistic was it, it was looking at uh, people who started marijuana before the age of 18 and it followed those people until they were 30 years old. So it, I wish I could say that that marijuana doesn't kill people, but it, it greatly increases the risk of thinking about suicide and suicide attempts. And then if you want to go to the medical side of things, to the physical side of things, uh, there's a great increased risk of heart attacks as well. So to say that that it's it's not causing death in people, I I I wish I could agree with you on that one, but I'm going to have to gr very respectfully disagree with you there. Yeah, I know in that one study that you're talking about, as far as increasing the heart attack, it was something to do within the first hour of smoking marijuana, you have an increased risk or chance of having the heart attack. Um, that again, I am no, I'm not even close to being an expert because I'm not even a user. But um, yeah. you know, I've had great interest in this area because because I grew up in a, a definitely in the time when this was you know this was really the fun recreational thing. It was not it was, to me. I think it was less about the alcohol, but it was more about uh, getting high. Yeah. Um, and you know, at the top of the hour, we had mentioned that or, or we talked about today's THC level, today's pot is much stronger than it was 40 years ago, not for 40 years ago. So there is a difference there. There's a huge difference. Yeah, if you look back at 1969 Woodstock, uh, the, the uh, amount of THC that was in the average uh, joint, a marijuana cigarette, uh, was 1% to 2%. Uh, the really good stuff was 3%. If you fast forward to 1995, uh, the THC percent was about four times that. And today, the average 
joint has 22% THC. Um, and there are some strains. Uh, there's a lot of strains that are pushing 30% now. And there's some that claim to be uh, around 45%. So what does that do? Well, it, it greatly increases the risk of addiction. You know, if, if you're looking back at the old marijuana, uh, there probably really was just mainly psychological addiction. Today, we're seeing actual cannabis withdrawal syndrome uh, in a lot of people because it, it's really hard to find any uh, marijuana that's less than 10%. 10% is the threshold where it's considered high potency versus low potency. And high potency marijuana carries a 30% risk of addiction. And 40, 46% of 12 to 17 year olds who smoke marijuana are addicted today. And it's, it's really because of, of the high potency THC that we have today. And then all the things that, that we're, we have talked about and will talk about today as far as the negative effects, they're, they're all greatly increased because of the increased THC. You know, th this is kind of just going for a reach. Um, but I think there's a lot of the, you know, what I'll say recent studies on marijuana stuff was, was probably a lot done in the 90s. So I'm also thinking a lot of the the heavy users or uh, habitual users or um, I think I saw from 19 to 25 years of age are the largest group of users. Is there any correlation? This again, this is a stretch, and this is going maybe off topic. But family, divorce, um, it, that that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it almost seems like you know. I don't know your age, but like in my age, you know, you know the sixty and seventy year olds, like like I said, the THC levels are far lower, but. Um, we had a little bit more stable families. We did it as a recreational, um, and it didn't harm us as much as what it's really harming the young people today, which is scary. I mean, really scary. It's sad. Yeah, there, there's a lot of, of problems with uh, marijuana, and we, we think of marijuana as making people mellow. There's actually mm -hmm. studies that show... Um, there's a study from 2012 that showed there was a double risk of domestic violence among marijuana users. There was a study from, I believe it was 2018, that looked at 6,000 people. And uh, those who used marijuana, or actually those who used drugs in general, had a five times risk of, of violence. Um, and the drug that was almost always used in, in that study, uh, they found it was marijuana. So that was a real driver uh, of violence. And so, again, w what we always have to think about with, with any drug, and especially with marijuana, is when you're on the drug, it has one effect. But when you come down from it, it's going to have the opposite effect. So you may be mellow while you're on it, but when you come down from it, it's going to have the opposite effect. And so people are people think that... that it makes them mellow, but there's actually more aggression uh, and uh, more problems with with violence uh, with marijuana. Like can especially also post right after post after yes, meaning after after you come down from it. Um, there there's also problems. Uh, think think about DUI and, and all the problems that that there are with that. Um, people who use marijuana. 
they they're not able to react as quickly. Uh, there's all kinds of every everything you can think about that you need to do while you're driving. All of those things are, are slowed down, and so there's a huge uh, increased risk of having an accident when when both Washington State and Colorado legalized or or increased access to marijuana. If you want to think about it that way, uh, there the number of fatal auto accidents in, in those states doubled within a couple of years. If you look at the number of fatal accidents overall in the U.S., if you look back at, at uh, the year 2000 versus 2018, the, the number of fatal auto accidents that involved marijuana went from 9% to 22%. Hmm. So it's, it's a great increased risk uh, of fatal accidents and, and overall accidents. Uh, you know, you, we, I, people, we don't want we don't want people to get hooked on this. We don't want to do it. If you are out there and if you are partaking in doing this, think about why are you doing it? Okay, because it makes me feel good. Hey, I feel great. Well, be smart about it now and say, if that's what you're going for the feeling and that's how it makes you feel, it doesn't mean that you can drive any better. It doesn't mean you can operate machinery any better. It, like you said, it impairs your judgment. Well, you didn't say that part, but it impairs your judgment. It slows down your motor skills. It changes a little bit of your thought process. Um, almost liken it to guys back in the day drinking and calling it liquid courage. It does make it does alter things and makes you think you can do something when you really can't. So. Yeah, the Centennial Institute said that uh, they did a study and found that 69% of marijuana users admitted to driving at least at some point within an hour after using marijuana. And AAA Newsroom uh, said that they estimated 14.8 million drivers got behind the wheel within an hour uh, after smoking marijuana in the past 30 days Uh-oh. when they did that study. That, that's what people admitted to. Well, then we'll say, uh, what'd you say, 14.8? 14.8 million drivers report getting behind the wheel within one hour. So That's we'll AAA say, Newsroom that reported that. So we'll say 14.7999 um, million of you were lucky. There's that percentage who were not, um, who did not walk away. That is no. correct. There are many more fatal car accidents and not only the, the problem is it's not only the person that uses it but it's also the family that's the innocent family that that can die because of it as well so we have to think about that when before we get behind the wheel after smoking yeah. marijuana now i want to ask you something that might be a little bit personal because uh you know we were talking earlier and you said you know if you would have asked me two years ago about this eh, i wouldn't feel the way i feel now what changed your mind? Was it was it clients walking into your your practice and you saw their behavior, or was it something else? Um, do you mind talking? Yes about and it? yes. Okay. Yeah, it, it it it's both personal and professional. Um, personally, three very close relatives of mine who were uh, around my age. Uh, a couple of them were just older. One was just younger. Um. I have a lot of users in my family, and I have seen the effects of it over the years, but I didn't think a whole lot about it until I lost three 
three of, of those close relatives. Um, and one for sure is, is a direct result, uh, heart, sudden heart attack. Um, and then two others indirectly linked to it. But the, the straw that broke the camel's back for me was uh, a young man who's, who's another close relative who went to school. Uh, he went with a, a coll- with a friend who he had grown up with. They became college roommates, and they got in with a group of guys who were smoking marijuana. And he, after about the third or fourth time, he began having paranoid delusions. Uh, he had uh, significant psychosis. So he got in his car, and he started driving. Thankfully, he he could tell that he wasn't driving the, the way that he should. So he got out. He started running. He thought people were chasing him. He made his way to a convenience store where the clerk there saw there was something severely wrong with this young man. And so he took this young man's phone and was able to unlock it and call this young man's mother, and he, and he also called 911. And so they came and, and picked this young man up and took him to a hospital, and he was diagnosed with marijuana-induced psychosis. Hmm. And he wound up staying in a, in a psych ward for a while, um, and he was never able to return to school. Um, so that's the personal side. Uh, and, and that's really what got the, the ball rolling when, when I started looking into this. That, that was really what did it. But even before that, um, I was seeing patients, uh, almost all of them, I would notice that, that they had significant anxiety. And then I would look in their chart, and it would say marijuana and anxiety. They almost always go together. When someone said that they smoked marijuana, the vast majority of those check also that they have anxiety. And if you look at studies, uh, there's, a, there's a very large meta-analysis uh, a study that looks at many studies, and it shows that uh, there's a 25% increase in anxiety. There's some studies that show actually a lot more than that. Um, and then uh, also to sedate patients, the type of anesthesia that I do mostly is outpatient anesthesias. And people take three times more propofol. That's the main anesthetic that we use to uh, keep people asleep. It takes three times more uh, to keep them asleep whenever they're using marijuana. And that's not me saying that, but that's the American Society of of Anesthesiologists saying that. And also the American Society of Anesthesiologists shows that it takes 60% more post-operative pain meds after having surgery people take more pain meds than they would have had they not used marijuana. And again, that's something we were seeing in my specialty as well before ASA came out with those statistics. You know, again, I'm not an expert, not even close, but to me then it sounds like it's something where uh, the THC, the pot, and even even CBD, uh, we, I guess, I don't want to say interferes, but I'll, I'll just say deadens the receptors. Uh, whether it be brain, brain pain, so that would be my guess. Is that's what it does and affects it. And then when you come off of that high, all of a sudden, like you were saying before, you have more pain now, or, or you want more pot to fix that, or you need more. Or in the case of where it's a legal drug, a legal drug, you you need three times more, or whatever it might be, to to help you. Yeah, there's the the 
C, they're, they're called CB receptors. There's receptors in the brain and really all over the body that marijuana attaches to. It, it mimics some things in our body uh, called endogenous cannabinoids. They're, they're things that, that uh, our bodies have uh, endogenously or inside that uh, cause the same effects as THC, but in just a much, much, much uh, smaller way. And we, we do know about the CB receptors. There's, there's several of those that we know about at this point. We don't know how, uh, it increases dopamine. Marijuana increases dopamine. And this is where we get into the addiction, uh, the pleasure that we feel, uh, when, when you smoke marijuana, uh, Everybody knows that there's a there's a serenity, a, a calm feeling, at least for most people. Some actually have anxiety, but but for most people, there's this serene feeling that they have, and we do know that it's because of a great increase in dopamine. Here's the problem with that: your body, and again, we don't know why that happens. They're still looking into okay, what is the what is the way, the mechanism that gets from the CB receptor and somehow affects our dopamine. But we do know it happens. There's many studies that show increased dopamine, the pleasure chemical of our body. There's increased dopamine when, whenever we smoke marijuana. Um, but, but what happens is your body has that great increase in, in dopamine. Then when it comes down, there's a decrease. And your body thinks, well, I have too much dopamine. So it becomes less sensitive to dopamine, and it makes less dopamine. And so now you have less dopamine in your body than you would have had. So when you come down from it, that serene, calm feeling that you had is now anxiety, depression, uh, and many feelings, uh, panic attacks and things like that, uh, generalized anxiety overall uh, when you come down because there's less dopamine than what there should be. And so now you're saying, your body's saying, hey, I need more dopamine. So what does that do? That causes the user to go back and say, hey, I need to use this just to get the normal amount of dopamine in my body. And so, so that's, that's what – I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. Just you, go ahead. No. And so that's how uh, we have all these problems. Many, uh, And, in fact, we know that decreased dopamine is, is related to schizophrenia as well, bipolar disorder. Um, so many different things on, on the uh, mental health side, uh, it's related to dopamine. And so all of these problems that we talk about with mental health, it's related to, to dopamine when we're talking about marijuana. I was just going to say this, this sounds so similar to with, if, if people are aware and know that diabetes is bad for you, and because your body's trying to make up whatever insulin that's not there or that it's um, not getting enough, whatever. This sounds very similar. Your body is trying to adjust or correct something that is foreign that shouldn't be happening. So I, I don't know if that's the correct way of thinking about it, but that's as soon as you said that, that's what my brain went to that. Sure, that's, yeah. a, that's a good analogy. Anything to do with... Um with the body adjusting the the body is is amazing in the way that it can adjust for so many different things and and when a level of some hormone some neurotransmitter some 
something is, is off, the body's going to try to adjust for that. And so when it thinks there's too, too much dopamine, it's going to adjust for that, and it's going to decrease that dopamine, and, that, and that's what causes uh, so many uh, of the problems that, that we see with marijuana, especially the mental side of things. Well, I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but my guess is you you would like to see a lot of this end, stop, uh, whether it be the legalization or people's awareness to be aware enough to not to do this anymore. So you've got some great information you're giving us now, but you also have, is it coming out pretty soon, your book, uh, Weeding Out Lies? Because that hasn't been put out yet, has it? That's correct. My The book that's coming out is Weeding Out the Lies About Marijuana, and there's actually going to be two books and two study guides. There is one book that will be going into public schools, um, and for those who don't want the, the biblical side of things, there's just a strictly medical book that's going to be coming out. Um, and then there's going to be an expanded edition, which will cover uh, the biblical side of things as well. If, if you want to see what the the, the Bible says about it, then it, that book is going to cover that. So either way you want to go, you, you can look at it. Uh, and then there's study guides for each of those for the the public schools, uh, for this secular colleges. Uh, they can use the study guide that goes along with the, the medical book. And for uh, Christian schools, Christian colleges, um, and rehabs, uh, rehab programs, which there are a lot of them that uh, are Christian-based, uh, that study guide will will help those, and th- that that's coming out in January. We we were planning on putting it out in October, uh, but the publisher uh, I've been talking with with them about it, and there's so many things that we're we're going to be I'm going to be talking with some people who are pretty renowned authors here at the end of of September, uh, and along with a guy named Steve Harrison who is been behind a lot of very successful books and and he's going to help me finalize the book and then uh help me uh publish it later and uh we've decided at this point as of a couple of weeks ago that we're going to wait until January to to not conflict with the holidays because this type of book is not going to sell as well during the holidays it needs to no. be fluffy and this is not real fluffy right and those of you who might be listening to this in the future we're talking about january 2024 will be uh uh the publication the uh, publishing date or you know month so that's what we're hoping for and i think you know uh, whether you're for against or indifferent but have a strong interest in this i i would say definitely look for the book go to Doctor, it's Dr. Wiggins, W-I-G-G-I-N-S dot com, and Dr. Raymond Wiggins here has you know information and some stuff about himself. So you know, definitely stay in touch with them. Yeah, I would love to to stay in touch with with anybody who wants to. Um, I personally answer uh, questions when I can. If someone has a question, um, there's the connect page and. You can get on the connect list as well, and you know when I'm on, when I'm going to be on uh, podcast or be interviewed, etc. I can let you know if I'm coming to your area. I'll, I'll let you know, and also when the books come out, uh, there's going to be a discount for anyone who's on the connection list. Okay, uh, I need to ask you this because I know some listeners are going to send me an email and say you never asked him. Have you ever? partake in in 
the weed? No, and that's that's a great question. That's a question I get many interviews, and the answer mm-hmm. is no. The but also I I have not personally smoked it. Uh, when I was young, uh, several of my family members I was in the room with them. Um, I was inhaling it, but not inhaling it directly. Um, I never, never felt like I was high. And then I had some neighbors when I was growing up, I would walk in their house and the dad and all the uncles and the cousins, they were all in there smoking marijuana. It was, it was such a fog. You could barely see in the house when I would walk in. So I've been around it a lot, but, uh, as far as actually smoking it or, or partaking, you know, with edibles and things like that. No, I've, I've not done that. You know what some would say, Dr. Wiggins, is you did get it. You did get high. You had a contact high. <laughs> it, you know, it very I was well a kid be, at the you know? time. Yeah. It, it, yeah, I was a kid at the time. Um, I, I was young. I mean, the, the last time I was really around it where it was really strong in the room like that, I was probably 12 or 13. So did I feel like I was high? No. Might I have been? Maybe. Maybe. Yeah, you never know. It, but irregardless... I may I may sound like I'm going both ways, but you know, just like cigarette smoking, if you're in the room and you're breathing it in, it's not good for you. Bottom line on that, it, you know, if 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 somebody's going to do it and you worried or you don't want to be around it or you don't want to subject yourself to it, leave the room. Um, so, yeah, if you don't want to take any chances, don't take the chances. You know, don't take the risk on it. Um, so. Yeah, certainly wouldn't drive after being in a room like that. Um, you know, looking back, you know, at that time I was not driving, but I, I would definitely not drive at, at or, um, you know, I, I would just make sure that that you're being super careful if you're in those yeah. situations. Yeah, be smart about it. I mean, there are people who go out and they have a f- friend who's a non-drinker designated driver. Well, if you're going out with partiers who – you know, smoke and do all that kind of stuff a whole lot. And if you're the designated guy, well, you might want to walk outside 50% of the time, you know, or just keep keep your 25-foot distance kind of thing. Just, just again, be be smart about it. Um, and I, I'm going to throw it out again. Dr. Wiggins' book and website is, well, his website is up. Just go to Dr. That's D-R Wiggins, W-I-G-G-I-N-S, correct? So uh, before we uh, close out, is there anything you're anything that you want to add, you know, cautions or, you know, cautionary tale or anything like that? Yeah, there were some really significant statistics that I found uh, whenever I've been studying this. And, And one study just came out. It was published this summer. And it looked at six and a half million people. And for those who have uh, marijuana use or cannabis use disorder, uh, there's a three and a half times risk for men and two and a half times risk for women of, uh, of uh, bipolar disorder. And it was actually found to be causative, not just a casual relationship, but causative. In other words, they, they could statistically show that it caused bipolar disorder. That was the first time that, that any study had ever been able wow. to do that. Because, but because it was such a, a large study, they were able to show that um, absolutely without a doubt. And then another thing, um, we, we touched on schizophrenia and, and uh, psychosis a little bit. 
But if you're a young person who uses marijuana, and especially if you use it on a, a regular basis as a teen or a young adult, uh, you have a six times risk of schizophrenia. And even if you only use it a few times as a, as a teen or a young adult, uh, you still have a two and a half times risk of schizophrenia. So again, even as a doctor, I didn't understand that until I started looking at the studies. So, uh, that's, there's a, a lot out there about that. Um, and just a little bit more about the lung effects. Um, the American Lung Association says that, that there's absolutely uh, a, a lot of problems with smoking marijuana. Um, it, it can cause uh, wheezing, bronchitis, asthma, phlegm production. And there, were, there have been a couple of studies, uh, one in the European Respiratory Journal, uh, that showed that, uh, there, that one marijuana cigarette, one joint, is equivalent to smoking 20 cigarettes when it comes to lung cancer risk. You have 5.7 times risk uh, of uh, having lung cancer if you smoke marijuana regularly. And then just one more thing about the heart. There are many studies, and these most of these studies are really new. Within the last couple of years, there's a whole lot of studies that show problems with marijuana and the heart. And I know we talked about a five times risk for the first hour, it's 1.7 times risk for a, a couple of hours. Um, and there was a study that showed that uh, there's a three times risk of a heart attack overall. It followed thousands of, of people uh, for a long time. And those who had smoked marijuana uh, in, in the past month especially um, had had a much increased risk of, of having heart attacks. So. A lot of heart issues, so those that's where we can see the deaths is the heart issues and, and especially with suicide as well. Mm. Wow. Um, I'm glad you mentioned about the cigarette smoking because there there had been times in the past that I remember hearing people say, ah, it's not as bad as smoking a cigarette. But like I said, it, it's like 20 times worse. There are more toxins. The other thing, too, if you want to think logically about it, your cigarette has a filter. When you're smoking that joint, it doesn't have a filter. So... It's not filtering anything out, so you're you're, you're inhaling all the bad stuff. Um, you know, this could go on forever because now I got one. I have one more question to ask you. Do you know how long the THC uh, stays in the body or in the in the bloodstream or anything like that? Well, if you're talking about the effects that you know that can cause you to to not be able to drive as well, et cetera. Uh, definitely at least for, for four, maybe up to six hours. If you're talking about some very slight residual effects, up to 24 hours. Okay. If you want to talk about how long can, can different tests uh, determine that, that you've had it, uh, that can actually be for a, a whole lot longer, and it depends. I mean, they, their hair tests can, can tell as, as, you know, for, for a very long time. You know, the longer you grow your hair, the, the longer it's the the effects are going to be there so um i hope i've answered your question there i'm i'm not sure where you were going with that but no you 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 did and you have and for those of you who are listening out there there you go if you want to you know preserve your body don't do it um yeah if you want to be healthy about things and healthy to your body you may not want to do it at all yeah just and, and to think about long-term effects, 
again, there, is, there are many studies that show the mental health effects uh, last for, for decades and potentially a lifetime. Um, even stopping marijuana use, it, it does help, but there are several studies that show that even after stopping marijuana use, uh, you never go back to baseline. For instance, there's, a, there's an eight-point drop. For those who smoke marijuana uh, for a, a very long time, uh, the, over their lifetime, there's an eight-point drop in IQ, um, mm. whereas for most people, it actually goes up a point uh, over our lifetime. So, so you, your IQ is below 71% of your peers whenever you smoke marijuana for, for a long period of time. So there, there are very long-term effects, the, the mental health effects that we talked about, the brain effects, the heart effects. Um, it, it, it sticks around for, for much longer than just that short period of time that, that we think about marijuana causing problems. I, I really appreciate your time on this subject because, you know, it, it, it's, it's huge because over, over half of the states have legalized some sort of med med medical use marijuana. Um, and it is such a big uh, income generating thing, not, not for individuals so much or business owners, but now for, for counties, states, and, you know, it's, it's a moneymaker. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But for every dollar that they take in, in tax revenue, uh, Centennial Institute showed that there's four and a half dollars or four dollars and 50 cents, uh, in, uh, outflow, uh, mainly in healthcare, uh, mm -hmm. the healthcare, uh, costs are just enormous. Skyrocketing. Yeah. Yep. Um, again, thank you very much. And I'm going to say for the last time, uh, folks, go to drwiggins.com. That's D-R-W-I-G-G-I-N-S.com. And also look for his upcoming book, uh, Weeding Out Lies. Now, there's, uh, what's the exact title? Weeding Out, Weeding Out the Lies About Marijuana. And that'll be coming out sometime in January 2024. Uh, Dr. Wiggins, thank you very much. Thank you so much for having me, Chuck. I, I really appreciate your time. I enjoyed it. Thanks.